It's another week. It's another episode of the Dave Stockbridge's Real Estate Experience Podcast. I'm Dave Stockbridge, your host, and joining me today is our very special guest, Ben Clarence. Ben is the owner of SA Real Estate News and is in a holds a particular viewpoint within the industry. He's one of the futurists and one of the people that are thinking five to ten years ahead, uh, not just about real estate marketing, but marketing just generally. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you along, Ben. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dave. No worries at all. So, Ben, um, first and foremost, your story is a really compelling one. Um, I enjoyed um, hearing all about it a few weeks ago. Um, so you, um, well, from a very young age, found yourself into real estate, um, probably unusually young age. Um, can you, uh, I guess, fill us in a little bit about that? Yeah, I suppose it was probably a little bit unusual at the time. I was 18 years old. I'd um, come straight out of high school. Um, I was actually sort of starting my career in high school in that um, the auction idol program um, mm-hmm. was being run. And uh, I was sitting in class one day and um, one of the teachers said there's a strange man in the reception area and he wants a student to uh, come and learn how to do auctions. And uh, I had a couple of uh, Friday detentions which warranted a Saturday suspension and I thought, here's an opportunity. <laughs> so I did, a, I, I did a trade and uh, I took part in the school's auction idol competition and my parents didn't get a phone call. So, um, Excellent. Yeah, Everyone so, won. Absolutely. <laughs> so it was a good trade. Um, but um, yeah, no, that's. Uh, so it wasn't any burning desire to be an auctioneer or real estate agent. It was simply to get out of trouble. It was simply because I had yeah, nothing right. better to do. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like the path of a lot of real estate agents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah. Just, just yeah. Path, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I. Uh, that was how I actually met my first boss. Yeah. yeah. So I met uh, Lindsay Warner, mm-hmm. uh, and he was working for Harcourts. Um, he mentored me and trained me, took me through the, the school's option idol program. Yeah. Uh, and then at the end of my year 12 studies, he rang me and said, look, I've got a potential job. Would you like to come and have a chat? Yeah. And um, I got into the industry. Uh, and that was at a time when the average age in the industry, I think, was maybe closer to 50. Yeah. Um, nowadays, it's probably actually closer to 30. Um, there's lots and lots mm. of... Um, one of the things I've, been, I've noticed is that young business owner is no longer a niche title yeah. um, for a real estate agent. It's actually kind of, if the business owner is over the age of 40, it's almost a little bit weird. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> <New business> <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, good. Excellent. Well, well, I started real estate when I was 21 and I was a baby. You know, fortunately for me, I looked like I was 30 and, you know, so I had some degree of credibility and was able to talk my way around it. But thank God nobody asked how old I was. You know, it was, <laughs> it was, a, it was a question I'd run away from. Um, so, did you at the time understand Lindsay's very much an icon of our industry and the opportunity that was there in, in front of you? Um, or, or at what point did that click and you went, oh, hang on, this is Lindsay Warner. This is uh, somebody who's respected throughout the industry, who's a, a, a fantastic auctioneer, a great real estate agent, somebody uh, everybody looks up to. At first, I had a lot of respect for Lindsay straight up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just initially? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I had a lot of respect for Lindsay from the get-go. I didn't know who Lindsay was. I didn't At the time, I wanted to be an airline pilot when I started. Yeah. Um, but then... So he was just the guy that saved you from detention. Pretty much. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the respect started. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, along the way I started to realise, you know, talking to, to lots and lots of people, especially within the auctioneer fraternity, that um, Lindsay, was, uh, Lindsay was so well respected and renowned within the industry. Yeah. Um, but uh, Lindsay's the kind of guy who he's, um, I've heard him to be described as a statesman, you mm-hmm. know, like a, um, a very much a gentleman 
Um, he's I probably would describe him as like the alpha dominant kind of male yeah. character. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't um, he doesn't ever need to make you think feel that or, or think that. He's just such a gentleman that you know you just you just pick it up straight away. He's yeah. got this aura about him. Yeah. Yeah. So that was how I um, that was how I got my start um, within the industry, and that was two thousand and two thousand and ten. 2010. Yep. Wow. So, um, 2010, you've got a taste of success there, um, winning the winning the auction. I didn't content. win. <laughs> we, we, we can't change that. I'll no. say I'll, I'll say I came second. Competed se- second, <laughs> a finalist, um, yeah. and um, congratulations. Um, and and so um, and Lindsay's made that call. What, why don't you get on board and get into real estate? And and so by this stage, you've had a bit of a taste of it. And so, what encouraged you to make that next step? Um, I didn't have any more suspensions, so yeah, it wasn't yeah, that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was um, I. I had plans to become a pilot, and mm. I didn't have the grades to go to university or, 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 or private um, uh, private flight school. I didn't have the money to do that either, mm-hmm. um, and so I thought, well, maybe if I work for a little while, I'll save up and uh, I'll be able to go back to it. Yeah. Um, that was eight years ago. Never stepped. Uh, foot in an, an airport <laughs> except for the domestic terminal. Yep, that was since. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was, um, uh, there wasn't really this yearning, but very quickly I sort of developed a little bit of a passion for the industry, just mostly actually the people, um, right. the people in the industry. It was, it was an industry that I saw um, lots and lots of maybe dinosaurs, mm-hmm. um, you know, older people who didn't quite understand the technology that was available that was out there at the time. Yeah. Um, I taught most guys how to start a Facebook page. Yeah, you know that I worked with. Um, I started a small side hustle when I was maybe three years in. That I I called it social media management, um, yeah. and um, uh, and my job was just simply as a as a side. I was helping people start up their Facebook pages yeah. and and. and um, start creating content. Yeah. Um, Lindsay was one of the people that pointed out that in all my marketing, I misspelt the word management. And it was social media menangement. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good start. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about getting noticed, though. So yeah. it's, um, and, and so, uh, so you, you've you've got this. Um, this real feel for technology being of that next generation and you're seeing that there's a gap there. Were there other things that you were just good at that gave you a sense that this is this is a this is a path for me? Well I was terrible at sales. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was no good. Um, I I worked in an, in, in uh, that uh, same Why do you think that was? I don't know. Yeah, um, right. I was just not a great salesperson. I was yeah. probably you know a little bit too young. I was you know clean shaven all the time, and, and I looked um, I looked eighteen. Yeah. Um, and um, and that's why I have a beard now because yeah. <laughs> it helps me look a bit older. Yeah. Um, but um, no, I was probably just a bit too young um, yeah. to be really stepping into a sales. I did have a lot of um, exposure though to the marketing side of the business, the yeah. IT technology. Um, I did every role within a real estate business at some point. I worked in, um, and this was all through Harcourts, I worked in, in residential sales, I worked in residential property management, I worked in um, commercial and, and urban projects, and I worked in um, you know front of house as a receptionist. I did yep. all the back end stuff, I worked as an admin. So I really call that first maybe four years my real estate apprenticeship. Apprenticeship, yeah. Yeah, and that was when I started to get a real feel for the industry, start to really understand how it all works. Um, where all the cogs fit together, and 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 start to, I saw why people did things, but also you could start to see um, places where I could ask, well, why do you do that? Yeah, you, know, you could do it this way, or you could do it differently. So, so out of that holistic view of the industry, and you're starting to put these pieces of the puzzle together, what what 
where did that lead your thinking to go? Um, I eventually, um, so I left working in the same office as Lindsay after four years. I did another two years um, in Gawler, mm-hmm. um, working in sales out there as a, and became a, a, a corporate auctioneer as well and, and yeah. um, won a few awards and was given the title of master auctioneer. Um, and how old are you when you're master auctioneer? 23. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I was still I was still quite young and, and, and still sort of fighting my feet. Yeah. Um, I then had an experience uh, where I served on the board of the Society of Auctioneers and Appraisers, um, and then I, I then I got the experience of being voted off the board of the Very society. interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that's almost a podcast in itself. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It was um, it, it was quite eye opening. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's a very very steep learning curve. Um, I don't come from a family of real estate agents or anything. My father was a, um, a, a, always a chiropractor who started his own business. That was about the extent of any, you know, business education I'd had. Yeah. Um, but it was in a totally different field. Yeah. Um, and uh, that all then led me to, um, uh, in 2016, yeah. um, I'd quit my job and I was driving to work in a new job um, on a Monday morning and I got the phone call on my way uh, don't come in. We've had a restructure, and you're not needed. <laughs> so I, um, they terminated my employment in my, uh, in my on your uh, drive to work. On my drive to work, <laughs> my very first day, and I spent three months unemployed. And Why? yeah, and, um, and and for the first time, because you've gone from school into real estate essentially, and you're now five or six. So this is all new territory for you. It was a little bit, um, and it was a bit, oh, it was a bit daunting. Yeah, um, I kind of didn't know what to do with myself, and so. I went, well, I've got a lot of friends in real estate, and along did, the way I've met... Did you think, I'll just get back in, I'll, I'll get back into real estate, I can, because you would have had plenty of opportunities to do that. I did. I knew sales wasn't going to happen, because yeah. I'd done that for six years, and that wasn't working out. Yeah. Um, I knew that I wanted to stay in the industry somehow, Yeah. Um, and, and my thinking turned to, okay, well... Um, I know lots of people in the industry. Along the way, I've met lots of people who want to sell people, sell stuff to people in the industry. Yeah. Why don't I see about bringing the two together? Right. And that's how I started um, SA Real Estate News. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and um, and so, uh, what did the first um, edition of uh, SA Real Estate News look like? Horrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. It was. Um, it was really ugly. It was. I didn't even keep screenshots. <laughs> um, I learnt a lot about. Um, it was one of those things where I, I was on another steep learning curve. Where um, I learned. I knew nothing about creating websites. I knew nothing about um, running a website or how to host or anything. I was learning as I was going. And and I look back on some of the things I did, and I went, "Wow, that was a huge mistake. Why did I do that?" Yeah. Um, you know. No, a, a, a lot of people who sort of know anything about a website know that you go to wordpress.org, not wordpress.com. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I made the mistake of going to the .com and my website was stuck with them for, for many, many months. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah. So, some early lessons learned. Oh, but, yeah. but what encouraged you to keep going? Um, uh, it was... At first, the response from the industry was a little bit curious. Right, um, okay. People were sort of like, who is this? Who runs it? And I've never really put my name on it um, because I don't want the focus to be about me. I want the focus to be about the content. So how did you answer that question about who's behind it? Or how, did, how did you get that? I just never that curious. It. Right. So. And I let the rumours run. Right. Excellent. <laughs> so I've been accused of being owned by the Society of Auctioneers and Appraisers. Yeah. I've been accused of being a Ray White publication. I've uh-huh. been accused of being a... Um, I heard you were a puppet of Murdoch. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm in his little pocket. <laughs> um, just to keep his own companies honest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's. I think though, eventually people have started to work it out. Yeah. Um, who's behind it and why I run it and why I do it. But um, for the most part, the content is not directed by me. Um, yeah. So it doesn't have a. It doesn't have my fingerprints all over it. It's very much. I've got a whole team of about. Um, depending on when university. Uh, exams are and that sort of things but yeah. I might have anywhere up to 8 to 12 staff wow. um, running around writing articles and content for me I've got a yeah. team of writers publishers editors um, advertising um, sales staff um, but um, so is this now the largest independent uh, real estate dedicated publication in South Australia or? Um, certainly in South Australia yeah. we're the only one I think yeah. um, that I know so of. we're definitely the largest yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> in <excellent>. South Australia <laughs> um, we're probably the most read um, as well in South Australia yeah. um, across both the industry and the general public. Yeah. Um, so we so there's an interesting, you, it started off an industry dedicated publication and now you're finding there's a, a broader audience. Yeah. That we, one of our biggest challenges was, was that we thankfully managed to capture the entire market yeah. um, at one point and um, that was all of the four or thousand real estate agents yeah. in South Australia and we were reaching them quite effectively they were reading us they were visiting the website but m you can only get someone's attention so many times in a day yeah and we were finding we were probably getting them five times a week yeah um, but we were maxing out and yeah. we just couldn't grow from that we we'd reached the capacity for South Australia yeah and so I looked at um, we ran some experiments and we tried catering for new audiences and tried some new things and in 2017 we did a complete rebrand right. um, and we opened up the floodgates to the general public mm -hmm. and we went from getting 4,000 visitors a month to we're now 40,000 visitors a month. Wow. Yeah. So that's huge. Yeah, phenomenal. And and uh, has it, so same level of content, same quality of content or, or what, what's different about the content that's now appealing to the general public or the general public just really interested in real estate or the real estate industry I'd like to say it's gotten better yeah, yeah well, we can say that <laughs> yeah. yeah it's um, a factor yeah, yeah yeah look we spend a lot of time training up new staff any yeah. new writer who comes on board gets mentored by hand by myself and the editor right. um, we spend a lot of time um, uh, carefully curating content um, yeah. you know that is relevant um, yeah. as well um, the general public has a surprisingly strong interest in real estate yeah maybe not um as educated as they could be in real estate, yeah. um, we still have to write um, as as if their knowledge is very very basic. Yeah. Um, but um, but they do have an interest. You know things like um, lots of TV shows like The Block and House Hunters and yeah. you know uh, Million Dollar Agent. Those shows help drive interest. Yeah. For certain. Uh, they popularise the, the, the sector, and yeah. I think it's really difficult for uh, individual real estate agents to capitalise uh, on that in the same way that perhaps an independent platform might be able to. Um. Certainly, an agent who focuses their attention on a on a, on a geographic area, yeah, yeah there's just not yeah. they're just not going to have Which that population. Is the vast majority of yeah. agents you suggest, yeah, correct. Yeah. We went from writing for an audience of four thousand people to two million people, yeah, um, and 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 we were always going to see an increase in uptake. Um, an agent um, has to remember that if you're writing about a geographic, probably so are your competitors, yeah, um, and they, um, you know, they so there's a lot of duplication in that. 
uh, content that's out in the marketplace. There's only so many times you can write about the same auction results. Yeah. <laughs> so many ways to spell it. Yeah. Um, whereas we have the advantage of being for the whole of South Australia, and we do cover some interstate. We have the um, uh, we, we we have a number of competitors yeah. um, to to. Uh, us in terms of the content that we write yep. um, and um, those competitors are some of them are multinational news organizations yeah um, but we know that we get better traffic than they do because we're niche yeah um, and because we because we keep our content um, relevant and engaging and fresh and we're always looking for new ways to present information um, so, so what's a piece of content that um, real estate agents or the real estate fraternity really respond to and and then what would be what's the contrast there that um, the general public. What does the general? Because I'm imagining that's two very different things. So, what 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 drives traffic? What kind of headline would attract a, a lot of attention from real estate agents? Agent A always wants to know what Agent B is writing. Okay, excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That always goes Fear really, of loss. really well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, we 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 try to um, every now and again. Um, we try to get statements from agents who we know are doing really, really well. Yeah. And if we can, we try and get them to tell us how much money they've, they've written in commission. Yeah. Um, but it's a balancing act. A few agents who are, the agents who are writing big headline numbers are cautious of the fact that that's not always a good look yeah. in the public side. And they know that we're a public publication now. Yeah. Um, so they're cautious that they don't want to look like, you know, the real estate agents. They don't want to be douche. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. Um, but agents love it. So we can track, you know, the type of individual that's reading what kind of article. Yep. Any article that says an agent wrote, you know, maybe a million dollars in commission yep. gets a lot of attention. Right. Yeah. Because they want to know what, what's the secret source. Yeah. But they want to find out what this guy's got that they can maybe, maybe get a taste of. Yeah. And we're only going to run that piece if they do tell us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas the, uh, the consumer is probably more interested in... Um, they're more interested in things like um, a great example is the um, any redevelopment that occurs that's okay. significant, like a rezoning or look a at the hospital for example. Okay, yeah, the Royal yep. Adelaide Hospital is a really great example. Everyone wants to know what's going on there. Yeah, um, that's going to be turned into um, people are trying to promote it as the next Silicon Valley. Yeah. Um, then you've got articles like um, auction results do remarkably well with right. the general public. Yeah. Um, and um, articles about gorgeous homes. Yeah. Everyone loves a great, you know, photo. Um, yeah. And so um, we'll focus on those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, then you get sort of the in-between stuff. You get mixtures, like we'll do articles with agents who have really exceptional social profiles. Yeah. Um, we're not even subtle that we're just targeting their audience. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Everybody wants to see how, how well everybody else is doing yeah, on social. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll target agents who have um, really exceptional social followings. Yeah. And we'll see that a lot of their network will then go and check out that article because it's yeah. somebody that they're already a fan of and connected with. And yeah. Um, yeah. So there's 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 a there's different. So ways you of found writing. some spaces where there's crossover where um, both demographics are, are going to respond uh, positively to an article, and then other stuff you're really tailoring for uh, the general consumer. Yeah. And, while still uh, having an eye on that um, on the real estate. And market. it's all it's all driven by um, it's all driven by you know eyeballs on on the website. So if someone stops reading auction articles for you know maybe a couple of months and we pick up on that you know activity on there has gone quiet then something's happened yeah people have stopped taking an interest so we'll stop writing about it whereas if we see that there's a particular interest in um you know perhaps um uh, interviews with um homeowners who have just sold um and you know what their experience was with a particular agent then that will typically get um 
uh, that will start to we'll start to do a few more of them. Um, yeah. So we'll just follow what the interests are. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So is it fair to describe you as a futurist, somebody who's got their, their head five or ten years into the future, that's trying to work out where where things are going and what's happening next? Well, you said it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> no, so that's definitely my observation because um, much of the conversation pre-podcast was really about how things are going to look like in 36, 48 months and, and how different is that world going to be. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I guess in... Uh, you're seeing an explosion in interest with uh, virtual reality and augmented reality, um, and you're seeing that being deployed affordably and in the real world, um, and just starting to get critical mass within the, the real estate fraternity. Uh, how do you describe why that's a, a good thing and where that technology might lead us over the next, say, five years? So virtual reality, I'll start with this, technology, um, is only of interest to people if it does one of two things. That is, it either has to save you money mm-hmm. or it has to make you more money. Yep. And um, virtual reality um, has a really exceptional number of applications in real estate for a number of different reasons. Firstly is um, it's a massive time saver for buyers. Mm-hmm. And if they can save time on the weekend with their open inspections, that might mean that they may not miss out on a property or they may get to another one that they wouldn't have gotten to or it confirms that they are interested in a property. So it helps with that pre-qualification process. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, We've got um, examples where um, agents have collected feedback from buyers who have gone and viewed the virtual tours and, and um, they, they came back to us with the feedback that the buyers suddenly had a sense of purpose mm-hmm. when they came to the open inspection. There was a reason to be there because they'd already seen the property, they'd already inspected it, they confirmed their interest. And when they got there, you weren't asking for them to confirm if they were interested or put in an offer um, on their first viewing. This day and age, the consumer's quite wary of, I don't want to be pushed into a decision. Um, You know, they have a lot of choice out there. And and with access to information comes opportunity and comes um, a a choice decision. Um, And virtual tours allow them to research those decisions um, well in advance. And so the feedback from agents has been the number one thing is we're seeing more buyers come to our open inspections because they're not just having to look at photos and make a snap decision. So that's interesting. So it's not less people because they're having that VR experience of qualifying, no, I don't want to go. It's actually, it's getting more driving traffic physically through the property. right? Um, for starters, they lose the objection. Well, it looked bigger in the photos. Mm-hmm. You know, the buyer will typically be wary of those little tricks that that, that um, standard photography will play. Um, so um, they won't have any nasty surprises when they walk through the door. Yeah. Secondly, um, uh, the buyers that do come through are much better qualified, yeah. um, and 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 they're not seeing it for the first time. They're confirming what they've already seen. And so when the agent comes around and asks the question, "What do you think?" Yeah. They've got a very strong opinion already. Yeah. And they'll tell you straight up if they like it or they don't. Yeah. Um, and another side effect of um, these virtual tours has been um, that agents are reporting they're having to do fewer inspections and fewer private inspections, okay. which is a massive time saver for them. Yeah. Um, and so if you look at, well, this, if time's worth money... And great for the vendor who doesn't have to clean up the house for... Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and for, 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 every, for every side, you know, time is money. And if we're saving time... Uh, 
for everybody, yeah. um, it's a massive benefit. Then there's the obvious benefit with interstate and overseas buyers. Yeah. Um, we've seen quite a bit of activity from there. We see probably, um, we've seen 130,000 property interactions since January. And, um, January 2018. Year, yeah, 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 130,000 property interactions with our platform. And um, I, oh, I forgot the number now, but a significant number have come from interstate and overseas. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, followed up with an inquiry. So why, why the dramatic uptake now? Is it, the, is it smartphone technology? Is it uh, faster internet? What, what's, or is it a combination of factors conspiring to make this, uh, make this now a reality? Take up in terms of VR? Yeah. Yep. So um, two factors. Number one is accessibility, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the consumer now has access to technology in their pocket that can view virtual tours, whereas yeah. maybe five years ago, um, when it first started to come out, it was you had to do it at home. Yeah. Um, your internet wasn't as fast, your computer wasn't as powerful. Now all those issues are sorted in your pocket, yeah. let alone what you've got at home. Yeah. Secondly is cost. Yeah. Um, previously it's been an expensive venture to um, create a virtual tour because it's new technology and it doesn't exist anywhere, there's an element of um, you know, limited availability. Um, so five years ago, what would have uh, a virtual tour? What, what would have had, had cost the consumer? Those costs um, with some some tech vendors haven't mm. changed. So uh, five hundred and fifty dollars. Right. Um, for there was a quote for you yeah, 200, uh, 200 square meters of home would cost you five hundred dollars to get to it, and then four dollars for every square meter after that. Yeah, and, um, and that's a significant spend when you consider that a thousand dollars roughly for a working class area is going to be your cost for your ad on realestate.com. Uh, photography, professional photography can be done and beautifully uh, so for $350, $400. Um, so that's a pretty considerable chunk of the advertising spent on, say, everyday properties. That's right. Yeah. And uh, where we come in uh, and where we've found the point of difference is that we've come in at a cost of about $33 per property. Right. Um, significantly cheaper because... So, so now you're talking in your capacity as a sales director at Augment Reality. That's right. And, and you guys now um, have a product that enables the virtual reality tours essentially to occur at a considerably lower cost. So now uh, instead of $500 around $30 you were saying? $33. $33. Yeah. And and so how so you've been able to compress the cost and and how's the quality changed so that it's now engaging? Um, how, how does that work? So well, um, how to step us through what a virtual tour looks like to the consumer if they're looking at their computer screen. Okay, so this is going to be interesting on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you if you sit back and close your eyes. Um, Imagine um, <laughs> one of you're the under. Yeah. <laughs> one of the big misconceptions is that you have to have goggles, the mm -hmm. big VR headset goggles. You don't. Okay. You don't need to. Um, and in fact, there's very few buyers who actually do use them. Yeah. Um, we track that number, and I think there is one buyer in Adelaide who consistently uses those headsets. And if you're listening, g'day, come say hello. We'd love to meet you because you're a unicorn. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, the the. the to look at a tour, it's it, the I've heard it best described as it's like Google Street View. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. Imagine you um, on Google Street View, you can walk through a street, you can choose side streets, you can walk around. Um, you can do that throughout a home now mm -hmm. um, using our technology. We've managed to compress the cost through. Uh, you're not paying for our time. Yeah. Um, so a time component is probably the biggest expense you'll face in the entire process. Yeah. Um, and we've managed to put those time. Um, 
the, the time requirement onto the preferred supplier that the agent uses, so mm-hmm. a photographer or a videographer, whoever they're using. Mm-hmm. Um, they're already there. They don't have to charge for driving out there. They're not charging for you know just setting up. They're, they're already there doing, doing the work. Yeah. They're simply adding another 15 to 20 minutes to their, to their job. Yeah. Um, uh, and then um, the, the virtual tours can be viewed on any smart device. Yeah. Uh, they can be viewed on realestate.com, on domain. Um, they um, the, 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 the big factor is about accessibility and presentation. Um, buyers need to be not only able to access this, this, um, this, this virtual tour whenever, wherever, mm. but they also need to, when they're looking at it, feel like they're actually there. And how does a how would a consumer know that a property is being advertised with a virtual tour if they're looking at realestate.com or domain.com or one of the major portals? Yeah. yeah. So they will typically show um, a special box shaped little icon. Yeah. Um, and that's just simply a symbol that this property has a virtual tour. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so people should be conscious that there are these other tabs. It's not just the photos. There there might be a video tab. There might be a virtual reality tab. And if they just click into those boxes, that that's. Uh, and so, are all of the websites now compatible with this? Yeah. yeah. In fact, they're um, they're probably our biggest supporters as well. Right. Okay. Um, because realestate.com domain, all the website portals, they measure um, a certain number of KPIs. Yeah. It's how many visits, um, how many page views, um, what are they doing in there, and how quickly are they leaving? Yeah. But one of their biggest things that they measure is how long is the consumer spending on there? Yeah. Now that's a massive KPI for them because um, you don't want the buyer going onto a property and you and I probably do it where we click on the photo and we click through them all really quickly and we're yep. done, we've made a decision in under 10 seconds. Yep. And that cost the vendor 1000 to $5,000. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which is yep. not a great stat. No. But virtual tours, because it's a bit more of an immersive experience, yep. um, you'll typically see viewing times of between five and 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, or you might see if you fill those virtual tours with content, so mm. things like if you put in videos in there of the agent welcoming the buyer, if you put in videos of describing the features of the kitchen or the bathroom or, or lots of little these I call them Easter eggs but yeah. little hot spots that, that provide more information within the tour yeah. you could see viewing times of up to 20 minutes okay now which is longer than a lot of people spend you know in the home they end up buying at an open inspection yeah yeah, yeah for sure um, and because that's because they're, they're, they're doing their research they're able to sit there take it at their pace they're not feeling rushed they're not on an open inspection where they've got to get to the next one soon they can yeah. take their time yeah. Um, and um, that's a massive change in the time people spend on site mm. compared to just 20 seconds flicking through photos. Yeah. So you can see why the major portals are looking at this going, this is great. Yeah. This is amazing. Video yeah. was supposed to do that as well. Um, yeah. Video was typically supposed to extend viewing times from, from 20 seconds to three or four minutes. Yeah. Uh, but it's not done that. So, so do you see this as um, supplementary or, or potentially taking over from static uh, photography, video, where do, where do you see this maybe washing up in a few years' time? I if you put your Google glasses on right <laughs> yeah. now and look into the future, what do you see? If I bring out my crystal ball, um, and I'm always cautious of making predictions because I've, I've, I trade stocks and I'm always wrong. Is that, um, <laughs> it's, so, it's fun speculating though. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if I were to speculate wildly and take a stab in the dark, um, look, I would say stills photography always has a place in real estate. Um, I think people still love brochures yeah. for starters. You know, you still want to take away a piece of paper that gives you some information. Mm-hmm. Um, you video- so, well, that's really interesting. So you don't feel that's just a habit that agents are going with because uh, there's no practical reason for it. Um, but it's a, it's a welcoming gesture. It's almost a custom um, and um, being polite 
welcome to the open inspection, here's a brochure, can I grab your name? Almost that, that, that swap. Um, so you feel that that will still be relevant, we'll still have brochures at open inspections in five years' time? It's kind of like, why do we still have agents? Yeah. Um, it's well, because humans don't deal with other humans particularly well, as, as, well, a, yeah. as, a, as, as a general rule. Yeah, they struggle with it. That's and a major factor, yeah. yeah. Um, it's Physically, you and I could transact a property today without any other third-party influence. Yeah. Um, or if I didn't have you sitting in front of me, but you had listed your your home for sale, and somehow I knew that it was for sale. Mm -hmm. uh, if, the, if the infrastructure existed that I could just look at a home on the street and go, I'm going to buy that one, mm -hmm. physically, I could transact. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, wouldn't need a third party. No. The technology exactly. exists. There's the existence of a company called Pexa. Mm -hmm. um, that is the um, uh, that's actually the Lands Titles Office um, in a digital format. Yep. So I can just transact online. Yep. Uh, that's the actual physical property transaction. Yeah. Um, you know, I could message you. Um, there's there's apps that allow vendors and buyers to speak directly and make offers, um, yep. and I could do it that way as well. Yep. But we're talking about. And this, this is, it sounds a little bit old school, but it's still so true. You're talking about one of the biggest investments that somebody makes in their lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the biggest transactions, they might do it only two or three or four times in their life. Yeah. They just need a bit of help. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Um, that is perfectly fine and probably encouraged because you don't want to pay, humans don't want to overpay. Yeah. And if they feel like they can have someone along the way help them and show them, okay, this is how you don't get you know, mucked around. Yeah, um, this is how you don't make a mistake. Correct, yeah. correct. Um, they, AI has a long way to go to replacing any human in a human services role. You know when you go online and you're talking to a computer. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. It doesn't respond the same way. Yeah. Um, you know when you're um, transacting online with a computer that it's not going to be thinking of you and your best outcomes. It's going to be thinking of how do I extract maximum profit. Yeah. Buyers are a little bit um, unsupported in that regard. They There are buyer's agents out there, mm -hmm. um, but vendors are the ones who properly get looked after by a human touch. Yeah. So you've got agents acting in the best interest of their vendors because that's how they're incentivized. And do you think also increasingly an agent's role is um, determining to what degree uh, they should be investing in uh, virtual reality or uh, social media or um, through the traditional channel, uh, channels of marketing? Agents, agents are very, very good at picking up new technologies quite quickly. Yeah. Um, the industry is constantly trying to um, find a point of difference. Yeah. Um, I think that the industry has to be very, very careful with how much value does this add mm. to what I'm offering, but not necessarily in a dollars and cents point of view. They yeah. should be very, very aware that disruption will come from anyone who can find a way to go, um, if you do it this way, you don't need to pay the agent. Yeah. Um, if you um, if you deal with less middlemen, yeah. um, as they'll perceive, uh, as they'll try to pitch us. Yeah, remove uh, layers of cost. Correct. Yeah. Um, agents need to find ways, how can I provide a better service to my client without the risk of, um, without the risk of, of, of being cut out yeah. of every deal. So if an agent can find a way to add more value in ways such as maybe it's just advice, yeah. maybe it's um, just listening yeah. is a really big one. Yeah. Um, if it's just in terms of ways of, um, helping people feel heard yeah. and feel like they understand the process they're about to go through, yeah. those are the big value adds. And VR is a massive help for that. Yeah. As we've already said, it qualifies buyers before they get to the property. They're not feeling under pressure because they have to, the only way they can see six houses is if they physically go to six houses. Yeah. 
and all those six inspections could occur within three hours of each other. Yeah. Um, and, and typically do. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. they're not exactly next door either. No, that's right. <laughs> um, VR helps them feel confident that when they walk in there, they know what they're going to find. They're already knowing what they're going to walk into. They just simply need to be there just yeah. to confirm um, that they want to purchase that property. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the values in the time that it's saving consumers at both ends and the quality of information that the agent and vendor's receiving um, at, at, from, from their perspective as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, if we're if we're living in a world um, where virtual, so what has held virtual reality back today to, to now? Do you feel and and why and why has the uptake been so strong in the last six to six to eight months? Yeah, the a number of factors have been probably the largest has been cost. Yeah. Um, the business model has that we've developed is fairly unique. Yeah. Um, in that we're. And, and this is an Adelaide-based company, right. um, so this is something we should all be really proud of and supporting, yeah. um, both vendors and the general public and the real estate fraternity. Well, we're sitting in the Think Lab right now at the Adelaide University. It's full of uh, some amazing startups in here. Mm. Um, there's a gentleman around the corner from us right now who um, he sold his business for $150 million and he's wow. just a little you know, two-man show, um, and, and, and it's incredible. And Adelaide has... Um, that's a whole different podcast again. Yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The power that Adelaide is about to um, wield in the startup community. Um, but um, what's held it back until today? Um, number one has been cost. Yeah. Um, I would say is that uh, the business model that we've developed is slightly unique um, in that we work with um, suppliers and we work with um, we we don't try to sneak into um, you know the agent's pocket by being the service provider. We work with who they're working with currently. Yeah. So they feel like there's still that quality control that they've always been used to. Um, secondly has been, um, um, there's just sort of not really been that, until today, really that sort of level of awareness. Yeah. Um, and do you think it's because you guys are here and you're an Adelaide startup and, you, and you've been embedded in the real estate fraternity for so long on, on varying levels that uh, you're now able to penetrate and get that word out there one-on-one -on -one with real estate agents? Is Locally, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that's very, very true. Um, on a national level, yeah. um, I would say that um, we've been aided and we've enjoyed riding on the coattails of some competitors. Yeah, right. Um, we do have large uh, competitors in the VR space who have spent a lot of money on education, educating agents and, yeah. and building awareness and um, building and, up their product. And then have to recover those costs with higher fees and you guys come in at $33 a month. And it does help. <laughs> superior product. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, oh, look. Uh, so you're, you're, in as much as this technology is disrupting the way that real estate agents market properties, you're a disruption to your own industry as well and that's just how fast tech moves yeah. yeah absolutely well I wouldn't call it disruption to our industry it's it's more we've refined the business model we're still doing yep. the same thing we're still um, working for the same outcome the same goals um, but we just do it slightly differently yeah um, we're not you know we're not um, I wouldn't say we're disrupting but we're certainly probably a thorn in their side yeah um, but we are starting to see other VR companies start to change their business models to match ours. Yeah. Um, so we think we're on a winner. Yes. Um, and um, like I said before, we've enjoyed riding on the coattails of all this work and money that's gone into educating the industry. Um, but we've managed to perfect that offering yeah. um, and come to the industry with something that works for them, more importantly. Yeah. Um, a really, really big part of what we offer agents is data collection. Yeah. Um, and data is... is probably the biggest subjective value add that we can bring to the table. So we were discussing earlier, you can track um, how long a potential buyer through their VR tour spends in a room 
uh, where their eyeballs might be, what they're actually looking at. Are they looking at the kitchen cupboards? Are they worried about the sink? Or you know, when, at what point do they switch off and make the determination? So let's say there's 100 people that have looked at a VR tour and they will switch off the minute they get to the, uh, walk into the house. Well, we probably know there's something wrong with that entrance way. Is there anything we can do cosmetically to improve that? So it, it helps a, a vendor adjust according to the market um, as, as well. So you're getting, some pretty deep layers of, of data that um, is really educating vendors and agents like as to how the market's reacting without getting that physical feedback. Yeah, I'd say that if 100% of people dropped off as, uh, after the first um, after the first um, uh, step, mm -hmm. uh, I'd say that you've got a broken tour. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> they can't physically move from there. <laughs> um, that's a problem. Um, but, uh, but, but the data that we collect, yeah, you're right. Um, the, the insights that you can gain from, from what we collect. Um, for starters, we track every second that someone's in the tour. Yeah. We're tracking everything that they do within there. What do they look at? What do they engage with? What do they, um, how do they flow through the home? You know, are they, are they just walking down the hallway and just peering into bedrooms? Or are they walking yeah. down the hallway and, and going straight for the bathroom? Or are they, or are they exploring room by room? Yeah. That gives us a picture of what kind of buyers are out there and how interested they are. We next can start to tell things about, okay, um, we know that um, buyers are spending a lot of time in this room and they're looking in a particular direction at a particular thing. Yeah. Um, that either tells us one of two things. Either it's something that's really impressing them yeah. and they're going, wow, this is amazing, this is really cool, check this out. Or it's a potential roadblock. Yeah, so it's a concern. Yeah. It might be a small room where they're going, I don't know if my furniture's gonna fit in here. Now, yeah. that's, the, that's the part where human intuition, intuition comes in. We've not yet developed the data models to actually come forward and say categorically, this is why mm. but um, agents are certainly still of help in that process but at least gives it allows the agent to step into the feet of the buyer mm -hmm. so you're no longer just collecting uh, feedback at the door that says yeah the kitchen was great I really loved it I'm gonna make an offer yeah all of a sudden you know that this person spent a lot of time in this bedroom and if they're looking at similar homes in the market all of a sudden the agent can start to compare and contrast and go mm. they said they love the kitchen but they spend a lot of time in bedrooms. Mm. I'm thinking we need to have a look at what our competitors have on offer or the other homes in the market mm -hmm. and start to actually really focus on what we're offering. Yeah. And we can, um, and, and that's passive feedback from buyers, feedback they don't even know they're giving yeah. because you're in their shoes. Mm. Um, next, um, the technology is being developed to allow people to do, say, um, a renovation on the home in the virtual tour. Yeah. Knock out a wall, throw in a you know built-in. So this is real next-level stuff. So yeah. all of a sudden, are we relying on a new technology to make that happen, or do we have the technology at our fingertips to do that now or in the next twenty-four months? You're waiting for us to build it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 There's a guy somewhere around here who's just yeah. really stressed out right now in front of a computer trying to do that. Yeah. Absolutely, um, that technology exists for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, some builders are using it already. Um, but, but in terms of being able to integrate that in, into a virtual tour? Yeah, yeah. It, that's very, very possible. Right. Um, that's one of the things. We've, we're very, very focused on our development yeah. and making sure that we get everything right as we go along rather than just tacking on more stuff. So you, you were mentioning before there's that potential where a buyer walks around starts imagining or seeing or dropping in their furniture or the next IKEA catalogs furniture uh, into that, that space um, to lend proportion to it, give, give, give a sense of home, does it work, does it, does it not, what's the lighting like, yeah. all, all, of these, all of these elements are soon to be at everyday people's fingertips. Yeah, there's, there's, 
there is a downside to that though. Okay. And that is that um, we could build that and implement it today. Yeah. And that technology exists and we know how to do it. Mm-hmm. The problem is is not a technology one from our side. It's that the, the, the purchaser doesn't have um, the, the infrastructure in place to receive the information. Yeah. So, so it's an interface. It's it is, a, yeah. it is. So um, VR came out in the 90s. Yep. VR is a really old technology, surprisingly. But you and I and, 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 and Joe Bloggs didn't have access to the kind of tech that we needed to view virtual reality. Yep. Um, so we couldn't. Whereas flight pilot, uh, uh, pilots, as they were learning, as you were touching on earlier, they, they, they've had that available to them for some time. Correct. They yeah. have flight simulators that are VR. Yeah. Um, and, and they've been using it for years and years. But that kind of technology costs sometimes, you know, back in the 90s, it would have cost millions, millions. of dollars. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Um, we can't just create these, um, you know, um, room renovation tools and put them into our VR and expect that people will use them. Yeah. Because right now they can't. Um, very how, few. How do you think they will? What, what will be that interface? Will it be Google Glass? Will it be? Um, how, how do you think that'll that'll look? Surprise, uh, maybe unsurprisingly, or, or it makes a bit of sense when you hear it. But most disruption is driven actually by smartphones, mm-hmm. um, and they have sort of been that um, leverage that everybody's been able to um, use to 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 provide a new technology or service or offering to the market. They're the new Swiss Army knife of life. Yeah, Yeah. so from our point of view, it would be, we would go, the market is ready when the smartphone is ready. When the uh, manufacturers start providing, you know, um, uh, glasses or wearable tech that allows you to view these things um, as standard in your contract with your phone. Yeah. Take, for example, um, you know, smartphones with my Apple earbuds. Yeah. I wouldn't have bought them unless they came with my phone plan. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Um, you know, they were so unless you're getting the hardware that make, makes it easy for you to use, you, you're not going to do Unless it's convenient and yeah. it's not a cost impulse, or, um, you're probably not going to either. Yeah. So. And that's that's a driver of a lot of change in technology and, and, and uh, innovation. and. Just waiting on the hardware to catch up with the software? Yeah. yeah. Telstra, for example, has the next 20 years of, of information technology and communication technology already designed and built and ready to go. Yeah. But they're waiting for things like the MBN to be rolled out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Take your, your movie streaming, for example. Um, Back in the back in the early two thousands, I used to use a system called LimeWire, you know, and you used to give your computer viruses. And <laughs> you used to sit there and go, "I hope this is Akon's new song. I hope this is Akon's new song." You download it and you're like, "Oh, it's not." <laughs> and I had to wait a whole day for it to download. Um, that's you know, that's the sort of Telstra has the equivalent technology where you know they could they could have built the equivalent of the nineties LimeWire today, but we don't have the infrastructure in place to de- to deploy it. Yeah. Um, so. The biggest issue nowadays is not the software component, it's the hardware. Yep. Um, if you talk to half the businesses in this Think Lab, that's the problem they're facing as well. Yeah. There's a guy who's doing um, some really cool things with modeling human bodies. Right. Um, and his applications in health, in beauty, in fitness are huge. Yeah. Um, you know, he can tell you what you would look like if you put on 5, 10, 15 kilos or if you lost that weight. Yeah. The issue is, is that, and he can even model for, you know, excessive skin. He can model for, um, you know, birth defects or scars, or if you're missing an arm. Yeah, right. He can do all that. The hardware is his biggest problem. Yeah. He couldn't roll this out to the industries that would have benefit out of this because he's had to custom build everything he's yeah. <laughs> he's using. So 
Um, that would be the biggest roadblock um, in our sector. Um, are we seeing VR used uh, much overseas at the moment? Because my, my experience has been a lot of real estate agents are very much at the cutting edge. They're very quick to um, pick up new technology. But um, are we seeing these tools being used elsewhere around the world? Oh, hugely. Yeah. And, and in surprising places too. Right. Um, take India, for example, is actually our biggest market. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, India is our largest market. Um, they have a phenomenal real estate market, as you can imagine. There's billions of people over there. Yeah. Um, and the applications for them are huge. Um, they they love the ability to um, not have a thousand people come through their open inspections. You yeah, know? right. Um, that's a huge problem for them. They yep. just can't get enough people. Well, they can't, they can't get the people through the home yep. um, with just such a huge number of buyers. So they need to find ways to... To get people through a property yeah. um, without overcrowding and potentially causing damage or theft or loss yeah. to the homeowner. Yeah. Um, that's a massive area for us. You look at um, uh, management of um, commercial spaces, um, you know, or even just plain airports are providing guided tours of how you get around to the terminal you're looking for through VR. Yeah. Um, yeah, several airports around the world are using that kind of deck. Amazing, isn't it? And, and, and intriguing to feel. Um, I remember the, um, uh, I've been in real estate long enough now um, that uh, you know people questioned whether or not the internet was even going to take off, you know, because it took so long just to download. You wouldn't upload photographs because it just it take forever. So you <laughs> just you know so you just didn't put any photographs with your property and and, and uh, you know and it took it took a while and it seemed to take forever and uh, and and now things seem to it happen so quickly and so rapidly and I, I don't feel that we'd be in a position say three years ago to be releasing a product like yours to normal mums and dads marketing average properties in the suburbs for instance and this is a exact case in point of you know i think the figure is one in three jobs will be disrupted by technology in the next 10 years yeah. uh, or one in three jobs won't exist mm -hmm. this is a classic example of how that will happen you yeah know, um when realestate.com started it started out of the garage of the founder and they used to ask agents to fax them photos, <laughs> black and white photos <laughs> of the property to them. And they would scan it in and they would upload a black and white image to the internet. Yep. And that was how they did it. Yep. Um, you know, and if you'd asked agents back then, will this take off? Will it be a behemoth and, you know, a massive uh, um, influence on the industry? They would have said, no way. Like, they can't even get a color photo up. This is yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but they're now the drivers of so much change. Yeah. Um, but even they are at risk of disruption. Yeah. Look at um, Google. Mm -hmm. um, I know that whenever I'm looking for a property, if I already know the address, I can't search the address in realestate.com. I have to search it in Google yeah. to find the page on realestate.com. Yes. Um, and that's a massive threat to, to their business model because yeah. I'm going through a third party before I get to them. Yeah. So for starters... Before you get to an aggregator, that's yeah. meant to be that... That, that landing page, that, that space that you go to. They see that as a giant threat. They see Facebook Marketplace as a giant threat. Mm -hmm. um, if you could transact a property on Facebook, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's physically possible. Um, yeah. You'd have to find a buyer who's confident <laughs> enough to buy through Facebook, but it could happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, eBay has sold homes before. Yeah. Um, and then um, agents themselves could be a disruption to the industry. Yeah. Um, you've got to remember there's 50,000 registered agents in Australia, yeah. um, one of them's bound to have a good idea at some point that yeah. could flip the industry on its head. They're constantly thinking about it. They're, they're native innovators. They're always looking for a point of difference. It would only take one really good idea um, to change the whole game yeah. um, overnight. Um, and currently, they 
I remember my days uh, at, at, at um, one agency that I was working at where we were tracking um, uh, public traffic to our website and we we're comparing it to realestate.com and we were saying which site gets more traffic mm. and per property we were finding that because we were pushing all traffic to our website we were getting more views per listing per yeah. listing on our own website than we were getting through realestate.com yeah um, and, and you were funneling that through social media or social through media, print through, media yeah any channel any digital channel we could we could get our hands on we were pushing it through yeah. and that there is an indication that there's still an element of you you still need an, somebody there with your interests at heart pushing um, to get the best outcome for you yeah. because we were able to beat a industry behemoth mm. and drive more interest in a property than they could mm. um, and we're constantly told how big this 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 uh, company is and how they're gonna you know they're a threat to our industry and they could take over and all this but yeah. um, we beat them yeah listing for listing it wasn't a once-off it was every single listing we were constantly driving more interest yeah and it begs the question well why yeah. and how long does it need to be that way yeah and what could we do um, to change the game. It used to be that if you wanted to buy a home in an area but you didn't know what was available, you had to visit every single real estate agent. And they held the power and they held all the information. Yeah. Now that trans information is sort of transferred over into the hands of another company, but it could be on its way back. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't know. Yeah, it's um, and it's uh, and that's why I don't like speculating. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, it was a nice rabbit hole to go down though. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it's um because I think it, I think there's um uh, there's it's interesting that um you, you make that observation. I, I think a lot of agents are naturally very um very intuitive. They 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 read it, they feel it, and they um get a sense as to uh, uh within the 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 limitation of the tools available, how they can maximize um that for either their personal profile, their vendors benefit, um, both in a lot of cases. Um, but then understanding what's coming next, what that next generation of technology that might help them deliver on that um, is something a lot of agents just aren't familiar with. And I think, uh, you know, this discussion today certainly opened up my eyes to virtual reality, not just being another form of photography. Um, it's more a, a case of um, we can get analytics, we can we can understand buyer buy patterns, we can understand the relationship people are having with the property without even walking into the property. Um, and we can uh, then as agents better advise vendors as to those things that they should and shouldn't do in order to maximise their chances of selling and selling sooner. Um, so. Um, and, and so within the context of that, you touched on it before, you know, there's no uh, theoretical reason why um, there shouldn't be a real estate agent, but why do you think there will, will be a real estate agent in five years? <sighs> or you don't think there's gonna be a real estate agent in five years? Look, I- Let's I, project 10 years. Sure, um, 10 years is impossible to project. Okay, um. <laughs> let's go with 20. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like talking maybe maximum five years with my predictions because yep. it's a little bit more foreseeable. You can start to see um, I think the trends that are coming and that will happen in that time. Ten years is a really long time. You look at military history. You know, yeah. um, in the, in 1918, we just finished a war with the Germans. Then we were fighting alongside them in another war, and then you know all the way along we were fighting all different wars, and then in the 40s we were back at war with them again. Yeah. Um, so I don't like talking in terms of ten years, but in terms of five years. Uh, Look, well, agents will exist because I don't think they'll be exterminated in that time. Yeah. I think they need to be very, very careful to find reasons to add more value. Yeah. One of the biggest value adds that we can provide is customization. Yeah. Or, or sorry, um, uh, a better word for it is um, 
Oh gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, regardless, the outcome is agents need to be able to um, customize their service for the individual they're meeting. Yeah. And that's where VR comes in. If we can start tracking buyers and, and getting building profiles of buyers and going, okay, there's types of buyers out there who have a lot of keen interest in this particular functional feature of a home. Yeah. Then there's buyers who are really, really interested in only these key things and those are the only things that matter. There's buyers who are reasonably undecided one way or another what they're interested in, but there will be one thing that will spark their interest, maybe a feature or something. Mm. If agents can tailor their service to their client, to the buyer, to the average consumer and the general public, they stand a really good chance to um, they stand a really good chance to to outperform any kind of disruption tech that comes along. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, I will prefer every day to deal with a human. Yeah. But if I must, I will deal with a bot. Yeah. I will prefer every day to um, deal face to face in a meeting rather than pick up the phone. Yeah. But if I have to, I will. Yeah. Otherwise, the next step is a chatbot. Otherwise, the next step is a text message or an email or that sort yeah. of thing. Um, and they're all just degrees away from the human experience, aren't they? They are, they are. And, and so there's still a, a point in the process where that human experience still matters, and it matters in an advisory capacity, and it matters in a negotiation capacity, and a, um, a comfort, um, yeah, and credibility. Absolutely. Um, law, the law industry is a really interesting one to watch. Mm -hmm. I think that will be where we see um, AI disruption really either make it or just completely fail. Yeah. The reason is is that law is a profession that is so ripe for disruption. Yeah. You've got, in some countries, their interpretation of the law is very, very black and white. Mm -hmm. um, it's so direct and it's so, um, you know... In other words, it's one of precedent. It's a one yeah. or a zero. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and... Um, it's so black and white that why isn't a computer already doing it? Mm. And it's because the law industry is like a is like a, a cannibal. It mm. will eat everything that's available to it mm. until um, until there's a threat. Mm -hmm. And if that threat exists, um, it will um, attack that threat. Mm. If that threat is its neighbour, it will attack its neighbour. And so, for example, there's an AI that's already existing that's trying to replace lawyers, and it's mm. going through these trials at the moment where they opened a law firm without lawyers in the Northern Territory mm -hmm. in a little town called oh gosh I've already forgotten it um, but um, they uh, specialise in wills and estates now wills and estates are really simple yep. if you've ever done one you know that it's okay I want to give these things to this person I yep. want to split up my estate this way it's all reasonably straightforward unless you have trusts and you know if you've got um, really complicated wishes that might be you know in the event of this then this or this then this but that still can be built into a robot yeah um, and they're very very having a lot of success with um, they're a much cheaper way to do a will um, and a much cheaper way to get advice on those as well yeah um, but they're facing the threat from the law industry which unsurprisingly is very very powerful yeah. and writes the laws yeah um so they're trying to convince other lawyers and all the parliamentarians absolutely are lawyers, so the people that make the, yeah the bulk of them are yeah. career lawyers yeah um and so they obviously see that as a giant threat mm -hmm. a computer is going to take my job yeah so they are fighting it tooth and nail and if they can pass a law that says ai should not do these tasks yeah if it's dealing with humans on an advice basis if it's dealing with humans on a um 
on a anything more than taking an initial inquiry. If it, you know, we won't allow it to take credit card details. If they can pass laws that match those sorts of criteria, yeah. AI is really threatened and it can't go anywhere. Well, I think in the United States, for instance, um, uh, the, the car dealers have shut out Tesla. And so to buy a Tesla, you have to buy it in another state, have it registered there, and then transfer the registration into your, your native state, for instance. So that just done, that, that's exactly what they've done there to block the internet from, and you can see why, because there's huge infrastructure, but you kind of get the feeling that it's just pro prolonging the uh, the inevitable result, which is most people prefer to shop online and avoid a salesperson in the car yard if they can, if they know the product that they're looking for, if they're wearing the VR. And and I think with a, a product, it's, it's uh, like a car, for instance, it's a, or, or any manufactured good, it's um, where there's um, less likelihood of disappointment. Um, that's that's a huge thing. VR uh, in, with housing, where it's a little bit more subjective and much more emotional, uh, where people really want to feel it. VR has that role of luring people there, um, but not necessarily them relying wholly and solely on that. That might just be that 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 uh, experience that gets them through the door because um, they've already been through the door and then lets them feel it out on a human level, touch it, feel it, smell it, make sure um, that there's a, they feel comfortable in that space. Yeah, and, and agents, um, agents should watch um, this space very, very carefully because it's probably right now the most immediate threat to them is can AI take my job? Well, and, and it's interesting you, you, you make that point because with... Um, uh, in the law fraternity, for instance, where they, they've got AI bots now going through, well, there's no way a lawyer could read through all of the judgments that are, that are made within their jurisdiction, but an AI bot can do it almost instantaneously mm. and then spit out what the likely outcome would be from your case given the facts that you've given it. Um, and so, you know, the, this technology is there and alive. And so um, will people go to a, a like they might, might now go to an aggregator like realestate.com to kind of get a full picture as to what's going on in the market without speaking to a real estate agent? Will they just simply go to Google or whatever the service might be, type in their requirements and then get virtual uh, experiences of those, of those properties that perhaps they're seeking bypass an aggregator altogether? Yeah, and I mean, interestingly, there are agents out there that are using AI to their advantage as well. Mm -hmm. It goes both ways. Um, agents are starting to use AI to take initial inquiries. Yep. They use chatbots on their Facebook pages, they mm -hmm. use chatbots on their websites, that sort of thing. Um, the AI developers need to have um, a really clear um, a really clear way that they are going to replace agents. Mm -hmm. They need to show that the service they can offer is far and better um, than whatever speaking to a human can do. Um, there's a system called Alira, mm -hmm. um, which is the, the, the law AI, mm -hmm. and recently it um, assisted a law student pass a law exam, huh. um, and got they got a 70% mark on their exam, um, They and she completed it in um, far less time than another uh, law student of the same equivalent qualifications sitting next to them doing it through a book. Yeah. Um, there was a example that was filmed, I think you can see it on ABC, where um, Alira was asked a really, really complex question, um, a tax law question, um, about um, a, somebody's trust and how it would be um, managed and administrated and what their advice to the client would be. 
and Alira had an answer within 15 seconds. The law, the, the, the law graduate, the um, intern that was competing with the um, system hadn't even opened the correct book yet. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's amazing. And, and, and lawyers charge by the six minutes. Uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So think about it from a cost-saving well, perspective. Well, yeah. they're, they're, they're a fraternity that for so long has been incentivised to be inefficient. Um, Absolutely. And, um, and so uh, um, hence the cost in relation to ever, ever engaging one to do anything even basic. Um, so with, um, I think the implications for law are huge and blockchain technology, of course, you know, just there being an electronic um, agreement, a, a community coming about an agreement around a set of rules, which is um, essentially what law is. It's, a, it's an abstraction from, from the mythological into the physical, into a, a set of rules that we as a society agreed upon. And, uh, and there's no reason why we can't ratify that through blockchain um, scenario either. So there's a, uh, it's, a, it's the next five or 10 years. Um, so we're unclear as to whether or not real estate agents still be here. And look, 10 years, we can't see that far into the future. Five years, we'll see them delivering a different style of service to now where it mightn't necessarily be an agent strength in responding to inquiry straight away or, or, or um, uh, that, that might be somewhat diminished, but it's really the, 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 the belly to belly, the eyeball to eyeball, that, that's, that's where an agent's value is going to be. So, yeah. yeah. And it's, the thing is, is that it's like, I'd almost argue that we're in the fourth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. You know, um, look at the previous ones. You had the, the uh, invention of steam engines. Mm -hmm. um, it, it arguably increased productivity mm -hmm. tenfold. Yeah. Um, and people's jobs changed from being hand weavers of goods and manufactured and, 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 and um, there were skills involved in creating clothes. Yeah. But all of a sudden they became machine workers. Yeah. Then they invented electricity and it didn't require as many um, uh, machine workers. But interestingly, the invention of electricity didn't immediately provide that um, uh, that boost in productivity because, um, and it's quite funny when you think about it, um, the machines weren't set up correctly. And I don't mean physically they couldn't accept an electrical current. They mm. could. But they weren't physically placed in the factory to be the most efficient. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they were still designed and, and put together in such a way that a steam pipe could efficiently deliver steam to all the, the um, required areas. But yeah. electricity doesn't need that. Yeah. Electricity can go anywhere. So the time saving in the manufacturing, the, 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 um, in economics it's called total factor productivity, was increased only because um, they managed to reduce the time it took you to walk um, you know, the finished good at machine one to machine two. Yeah. And if you then came the invention of the conveyor belt and placement of conveyor belts in the most efficient way possible, that um, you reduced just simply middleman time mm. um, and reduced the number of middlemen. Our industrial revolution will look more like um, uh, services will be changed in the style, allowing us to provide better services um, and more efficient efficiently and more effectively, spreading yeah. them out wider and wider to a larger audience. Um, and you might find that um, some people will lose their jobs because you will have people, not monopolise, but grow huge chunks of market share because they'll simply move faster on technology than the others. Mm -hmm. But those that lose their jobs might start doing other roles still within the industry, still involved in some way, just yeah. ones you can't imagine. 
Yeah. Um, and it's impossible to imagine that when you know the inventor of electricity, um, you know, couldn't imagine the way that he was going to impact the manufacturing industry. Yeah. Well, I think uh, people like a like for like, so they want to see that the eight million truck drivers that are going to lose their job over the next uh, fifteen or so years in North America, for instance, are going to find themselves in a uh, as Uber drivers, for instance, where that's the, you, although there will be eight million truck drivers lose their job, there'll be thirty million jobs created in a sector that doesn't exist yet. Um, which well, it is could be just simply managing that number of trucks on the road. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be uh, there's for every uh, for every element of um, increased Automation. output from yeah. a single input. Yeah. There has to be some level of management. Mm. You know, um, there's got to be a, a, someone's role might be to simply um, control. Um, okay, we have new types of traffic jams. Yeah. You know, the traffic jams are no longer that traffic stops at a stoplight, mm. but it might be that you have bottlenecks along the way where you just simply can't fit enough trucks through the door. Yeah. So they will have to manage time in, in, in some way. Now, a computer can do that. Um, can a human do it better? Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe they um, their job is to simply ring up the factory and go, this is going to happen. Yeah. I suggest you do this. Or, you know. It's, it's kind, of, kind of amazing to reflect that, you know, five or six hundred years ago, where we were still writing books. And, and now we're talking about an age where um, you know, we're, re we're replacing industries as quick as they popped up in the lifetime so, uh, that, that we'll experience. There'll be most of what we do now will not be done anymore. And, to, uh, and, and so I think all the more intriguing when you see these emerging technologies pop up and, and try to understand them in such a way that you can put it into the context of, uh, from my perspective, uh, how, how, does, um, uh, how does this type of VR technology work um, in, in a real estate context, but um, then utilising that to the maximum of the for, the for the consumer ultimately, mm. because if the consumer wins, you have to win. Um, yeah. And uh, and if the consumer wins by you not uh, by real estate agents not existing anymore, well, the economy wins, and and that greater win means that you know your skills to be dispersed uh, you know elsewhere um, within the economy to 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 another benefit. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it is a it's a difficult time because uh, coming out of that. Um, the, the latest industrial revolution, I think there's a lot of people scratching their heads wondering, well, uh, there's a, a disconnect between the education system and where we're going to be in another 30 mm. years' time. We're still educating with cells and bells. Um, we're, we're still um, treating schools like prisons in a lot of cases. That's, that's why they ring the bell at recess time and a lot, because the prisons do exactly the same thing. <laughs> that's why the, 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 the first major school in the industrialised world was uh, was across the road from a prison, because they, <laughs> and, and they modelled it on a prison because the government hadn't yet built a building um, that could accommodate a thousand people apart from a prison before. Yeah. And so, you know, we just model on what we know, even though it has a completely different application. Um, and so that's what's exciting about VR and, and, and I think the future that we're walking in. Uh, right now, we're, I think there's a lot of um, haziness around social media and where where that where that's can, what kind of context does that hold? Doesn't yeah. matter how many followers I've got, or is it engagement, or what what metrics count? We were talking uh, a little bit about that, and and so there's it's it's an interesting space, and sometimes you're you're spinning the wheels, not knowing what's working, um, but ultimately it seems if we continue to innovate, we're heading in the right direction. And look, the um, uh, the big thing is is that, and I suppose a, a, a a really interesting part of technology development is is Moore's law, which is well understood by everybody. Which is you know, technology um, advancements will increase exponentially over time. Mm -hmm. And he noticed that when he noticed that the number of um, transistors on a microchip increased every other year. Yeah. One thing that's really interesting about Moore's law, though, is that economists sort of are a little bit sheepish to admit is that whilst 
the output of those transistors, you know, also increases, and, and the advancements increase um, exponentially. The inputs have actually also increased dramatically. Mm. So the whilst yeah, it's continued that the number of transistors in a microchip has increased exponentially since he noticed that. Mm. The amount of research and development and money that goes into continuing that growth mm-hmm. has also increased exponentially. Yeah. Um, so it is getting harder and harder to further improve that technology. Um, just almost to the to, almost to the point where your net gain is uh, equal to or possibly less than what you've put into it. Mm. Um, and at that point, it becomes unsustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one of the biggest areas that will, I think, grow and grow and grow during any revolution of technology is research and development. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to education, like you said. Um, you will always have people sitting there thinking, how can this be better? Yeah. And someone will always be paying that person saying, I want this to be better yeah. for this outcome. Um, and I think that that's... Um, uh, one area that if people look to, you know, and go, well, do I have an interest in that? I think you'll be pretty sure of a job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no matter what happens. The, I, I so just finally, because we're running out of, right, almost running out of uh, <laughs> our car time here, but the, um, um, uh, the, where the human fits into that um, and the, um, uh, so there's a lot of talk about IT research and development. Um, the South Australian government's um, uh, latest figures suggest that the biggest hole in their economy, uh, the biggest roles that are required are for management and for sales. And of course, without sales, there's nobody to manage them. Um, and so whilst there is this widening gap in, in terms of the, um, how life's automated and how we engage with um, each other and technology, there's, uh, there's still this huge need that's not being filled by um, by, by the education um, system, um, whereas there's a lot being directed towards that, but there's, there's still, there seems to be the glue that needs to keep it all stuck together, and that's where the human lives mm. um, in, in our economy in our, uh, right now. Um, and, uh, and, and VR technology helps people like me be that glue, I, is my conclusion. And why do we, uh, you know, the big question is why does the government think we need sales, more salespeople? Because the AI can't replace us yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, AI's getting better at it. You know, they're starting to work out trends, but mm. can it identify opportunities independently? Mm. Maybe not. Yeah. And that's, uh, a- and that I think will be one of the really big key saviors for real estate agents. Identifying it, those opportunities yeah. um, b- before AI can. Yeah. Mm. Well, Ben, this has been particularly insightful and so much more than I ever expected. So thank you so much. You're more than welcome. It's been, uh, been amazing. Um, and, uh, so, uh, and thank you to everybody who's taken the time to, to listen to this podcast. Uh, we hope you got lots out of it. And uh, I, I think we're, we're due for another chat at some point in the future, Ben, uh, really uh, as things uh, continue to evolve in this space. So thank you very much again, Ben. Thank you. No worries. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Thank you. Hey, Stockbridge's Real Estate Experience podcast is brought to you by the Influencers and Inter- Innovators podcast, proudly supported by Matthew Norris Visual Productions. I'm Dave Stockbridge. Thanks so much for joining us once again, and we'll look forward to speaking with you next week.